Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. First edition news with Mark Van Aken in a minute, but what a night it was last night in Adelaide. The Socceroos World Cup hopes are well and truly alive thanks to Tommy Urich and Thomas Rogic. His thunderbolt towards all oh, the mid stages of the second half. What relief that was when we saw that hit the back of the net. John Cosmina, he's a friend of the show and one of our finest analysts. He's going to come in and we're going to go through, at least on the phone, the roller coaster that was the World Cup qualifier. The big games continue tonight with the international at the MCG. Love or hate friendlies, you do not ignore Brazil v Argentina at any level. So we'll go through what to expect from Messi et al. with the Herald Sun's Dave Davidovic before we wrap up the opening hour of the show, continuing our review of the A-League season and looking at some transfers with our man Dean Hennessy. In the second hour, as always, we'll kick off with second edition news. Then Michael Cockerell joins us to discuss his article this week where he lit the fuse around acknowledging our ethnic club's heritage. Strong opinions from him, which we are looking forward to discussing. Then Dino returns to talk through all the international news, including Real Madrid's brilliant Champions League win over Juventus, and we'll look ahead at a stack of World Cup qualifiers over the weekend and wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, I think I sent you a message. Um, you did. <laughs> yes, what did I say? Have you got any fingernails left? Well, I thought it was a very, very interesting game, and, uh, uh, well... Well played to the Saudis to turning up and play uh, and playing. There was expectation that they would sit behind the ball, but they didn't do that in the first half. Well, Bert van Malkwijk uh, talking to our mate Daniel Garth. What a magnificent interview that was! <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, typical. I know the Dutch pretty well, and uh, typically, typically uh, direct in his responses. But um, uh, for me, um, Australia shrugged off the negativity of half-time. Four mm. goals in the first half. Who would have thought that? But mm, mm. A, a wonderful second half. I and thought especially it was very the way, as you say, the way that that first half finished, um, it was such a deflating finish to to uh, to have gotten back in after. You know, the Saudis definitely had the better of that first half. Yeah, apart and we'll from wind back in, in a moment. Who's got some interesting comments to make? But uh, you know, <laughs> I always uh, comment off the top of the show about three issues: Australia's magnificent performance in keeping their uh, direct qualification hopes for the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Brazil and Argentina tonight in a, in a few hours' time. Uh, at the MCG um, has been in the shadows of uh, the Socceroos mm. build up to that big uh, game last night but uh, obviously looking forward to that and uh, for me something that I'll be uh, having a good look at over the weekend is the under 20 uh, World Cup final England and Venezuela mm, we'll talk to Dino about we that will later on so they're interesting uh, times but Mark you've got traditional to, rivals there yeah you, but you've got some uh, you, you want to come off the long run uh, right off the top don't you yeah the Saudis go pre-game last night boys How'd they go? Yeah, it was pretty go ordinary, on. wasn't it, mate? The uh, the minute silence. Um, you tell yeah, us all about I mean, it's it. Part of, well, Saudi Arabia's national team have come in for criticism after appearing to snub, not appearing, actually, they snubbed a minute silence dedicated to two Australians, but also eight uh, people uh, who died in the recent London terror attacks. FFA applied to the Asian Football Confederation, did the right thing. They said, hey, can we do this? Is it all yes. fine? It got ticked off by uh, Kuala Lumpur. And uh, yet we had those uh, pigs just running around uh, pre-game. Just uh, doing their warm-ups and their fans, more importantly, I wouldn't mind betting. And this is coming from a raging lefty, boys, as Mm. Michael knows, as you probably know, Rob. Mm. And when a raging lefty has to come out with these sort of comments, where the majority of these people were probably Australians, Mm. they hold Australian passports. And they sit there and they sing and they chant and the 
during a minute silence. Yeah, and, and look, and the thing is, that you, is so you, you're far from to, acceptable. To, it's not funny. Yeah, it, the, the um, we, we hear so much from uh, you know both sides of of politics and both sides of uh, well, it's religions involved in this uh, um, people saying that this you know uh, is the extreme element it's only the uh, the radicalized people that get involved in these attacks but uh, uh, it's the you know it's the the the, um, the normal uh, people who who just um, decry what they do and they condemn what they do um, that was a perfect opportunity for the moderate um, country that Saudi Arabia claims to be to to show um, solidarity. It's very, with, very, with very moderate. Unless you, yeah, I know. W- I, women can't drive cars there. But yeah, uh, you, know, you know my point. Yep. Moderate in terms of the Muslim world. Uh, it was the perfect opportunity for them to show solidarity, and they and they they blew it big time, massive, and uh, um, and they can't take that back. And it's funny. We are a football program. We'll get to football in a second. But there was a, there was a march. And I haven't prepared properly, but 20 million Muslims marched against ISIS and against terrorism yes. uh, just yesterday, which didn't get really picked up. No. So in, yeah. in in the, in that hemisphere, mm. we then have last night, which was yeah. really, yeah. really just... But that's the point, isn't it? So in Australia, uh, more people will hear about the Saudis disrespecting Correct. the yeah. minute silence than the result of the game. They will be outraged more. It will get more uh, coverage in, in on radio and TV and press than the game will itself, which is just a real shame on, on so many levels. The positivity out of the night, as you touched on, Michael, Australia won, believe it or not. And uh, I didn't think they were going to win, uh, as you might have seen from some of my Facebook posts. Yeah, Facebook, yeah, yeah, one of the items I want to raise off the bat with you, Mark, is is, <laughs> is the consistent negativity. I, I talked about uh, this with Dean before the show. Um, in a football match, there are, there are good moments and mm. there are poor moments. Yet if you look through Mark Van Aken's Facebook feed, mm. um, you would have thought we'd sent the under-10s out. I mean, really? Well, you you guys give me a hard time for for not being all over social media and not posting every you know time I scratch my backside on Facebook and that sort of thing. Well, you don't so, have a Facebook so, account. You, well, you exactly. That? But but I certainly am on Twitter, and I and I'm, I'm very judicious about the, my the dying medium posts. of Twitter. Yep. But um, but I, I thought you know what I'll follow the game on Twitter. I got through about I reckon thirty minutes of it, and there's all these people who appear to know nothing about the game just <laughs> slaughtering every single player I mean Brad Smith it was looked like he, he's gone out with uh, you know and hadn't tied up his boots you know Ange Postacoglu what was he doing there every single player just got deconstructed and then suddenly we're in front and we win the game mm. Marco if it, can you defend, I wasn't, I defend wasn't your on, approach to I it? wasn't on Twitter no mate no, you're, in, mate, you're on Facebook because as a you're fishing with a fisher as a football <laughs> fan as a football fan of course our our um our starting position is outrage, and then we move from there. So that's uh, that's your, your starting position on just about everything from Benazir's ice that's cream true. to football and everything in between. Is <laughs> well, let's talk about let's talk about the positiveness. Uh, three wonderful goals from open play, and the mm. first one we was know the, the first one from open play. It was, and uh, in fair enough, uh, the keeper made a, a horrible error. Well, he slipped. Didn't what he? the hell was that? But Tommy Urich had to gather his uh, mm. composure and, yes. and nail that from. It was not an easy. Uh, well, he wouldn't have been take. expecting it, would he? No, no, but, but I thought that was a great so well. start, and uh, and in, in fairness to the Saudis, their two goals were very good. Too. Outstanding. I thought there was five uh, really significant goals, and there should have probably been a sixth, because the referee, <sighs> what was he thinking? Oh, we'll ask Cosy after the break. What was he Seriously. Thinking? Can we but, make an excuse for him? He would have been behind. No. Oh, you can't. He no. would have been behind that uh, contract. I don't make excuses for referees, mate. It's, it's something I don't do uh, in life. Should we get to some more news, perhaps? Yes. Yeah. Michael, yeah. your favourite country, Qatar, has been dramatically cut off by a Saudi-led coalition of Arab nations, claiming it's because of support for terrorism. Now, this is, of course, relevant on a football program. It's not news. Because? It's not news that my favourite country is Qatar. Because? because fake news. That is yeah. not 
Oh, here we go. I thought your favourite. The raging Lucy, the raging Roddy over here. Hey, um, at least he's in the right building. Um, actually, no, certain floors, maybe not. Now, anyway, moving on for this. Where does this leave the World Cup? Seriously, I mean, we're obviously got our attentions now focused for Russia next year, but 2022, this is a very sticky wicket, as they You're would say. You're asking me to explain the complex nature of uh, the, the political... Can you give us Middle Eastern politics in the next minute and a half, please? No, I'm not. But, um, yeah, look, it uh, is a bit of a concern. But uh, like a football match, Mark, there's negativity and positivity in the world. So I'm going to throw this one up at you. A bit of negativity. What, what if it doesn't get sorted out in the next two years... Does a backup plan have to be developed? How? How do you how do you back up a World Cup? Well, Germany could do it in a minute. Germany, the US probably. There's lots of opportunities that uh, lots of countries. They'll have to be thinking about it. Let's have it in a country where it's on 55 degrees every day. That's a good idea. Mm. Good idea, Rob. Let's think. Mm. Having it in December, Mark, and it's not 55 degrees in December. It's only 45. No, no, no. It's about 25 because it's winter. So don't. What what happens to the fabric of football for the year before and the year after? Don't do that. Have a World Cup. We live in an environment where we don't need that. Oh dear! No, we don't need a World Cup in Qatar. You're quite, you're quite right. No, we don't. You're you quite need correct. you saying it's going to be 55 when it's going to be 25. Uh, the the woman, the lady asked us. The woman asked us when is the right time for a World Cup in the Middle East? Probably not right now. Anyway, Diego Costa insists he will look for an exit route out of Chelsea after being told by his manager Antonio Conte he he's said not he got a text, didn't he? Say he didn't. He, that yeah. was what I read. The thing is, how are you reading this? I'm just is 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 poor old Diego the mm. victim here, or is he the culprit? I'd say culprit. That's yes. my view. I mean, I don't think Conte's the sort of bloke that uh, that that is that um, lacking in diplomatic skills that he would uh, deliver that kind of news. Um, so he clearly wants to go. There's obviously a big dollar offer from somewhere yeah, else. Little, he wants little sookie lala, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Where's he going? China. 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 Oh, of course, <laughs> he's going to head to China. How are we going time-wise over there, Rob? Yeah, we've got a bit more money. Okay. Now, uh, of course, we're talking about some World Cup qualifiers later with Dino, but in a potential boost for the Socceroo star Japanese playmaker, Shinji Kagawa is in serious doubt for their clash against Iraq next week. Mm. Uh, the Borussia Dortmund midfielder is injured his shoulder in Japan's one-all draw with Syria, with Japan also sitting, um, obviously, very much uh, three points ahead. Are they three points ahead now? No. Do we catch up? Here we go last no, night. Um, no, no, that game's, going, that, that ga- no, that game's on Tuesday. Our game was played yeah. earlier because of the Confederation. Three teams at so. the top of the table on 16 points, Mark. Mm. Not that uh, you should know that Thanks, being Michael. the newsman that you are. That's right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> great assist there to Michael. So the point is, this is this is actually great news for the Socceroos, boys. Yeah, well, it is. We shouldn't be uh, celebrating a bit of shade and fire from us. But, How uh, good is the uh, Japan versus Australia match going to be in November? Yeah. Oh, ggarmy.com. Plenty of spots left, Rob. GGA Travel. GGA Travel. Yeah, or ggarmy.com, whatever you like. That is, that is, I mean, that is one of the classic trips in Australian sport already. What's one of our typical punters going to spend if they want to go on a trip like that? Michael? Uh, <laughs> from about $1,500 if they get their own flights. So yeah. they can get four nights with us. But, but you can get flights to Japan can, for bugger all on JetStart. So, uh, yeah. We've got packages with flights as well. But uh, fantastic, <laughs> uh, incredible place, Japan. And, mm. and uh, despite the fact that we have a, a, a really significant rivalry with Japan, mm. uh, they are uh, their fans are incredibly welcoming and they're very hospitable. Yeah. It's a great match. We'll talk about that later. All right, guys. Good start. you, Mark. After the break, John Cosmina, he's going to come in and he's going to discuss deconstruct the game on the pitch. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
This is his box to box on NTS News Talksport. The World Cup qualifier is going to be the flavour of the entire show tonight, but the man we want to start talking to about it is John Cosmina. He was in the lab last night, covered and analysed the game in detail. Cosy, good to have you back on the show, mate. Hey, guys. What a relief. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't the greatest of games, certainly the first half. second half was better, but you always tend to expect that the way the Socceroos have been playing lately. But um, And you would expect the Saudis to fade. They, um, they worked exceptionally hard in that first half and made life really, really difficult for the Socceroos. But um, sometimes it's, um, in football, you as a coach, you almost wish that you didn't have to have half-time because mm. you do tend to lose momentum. And... And that's certainly what happened. It gave the Aussies a chance to regroup and, and come out on the front foot and get uh, get on top. Although, you know, we didn't really, I guess, penetrate all that much. We could have maybe had a couple more goals, but it took a, 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 a net breaker from Tommy Rogic oh, to, yeah. uh, to settle the, the differences. Mate, um, do you attribute some of the... Uh you know, the rustiness in the, the Socceroos and, uh, you know, the fluid um, performance of the Saudis in that first half to the fact that the, the visitors had a three-week camp uh, and, uh, you know, and our boys were, you know, uh, Ryan McGowan, you know, travelling 50 hours to get there, you know, pretty much uh, on the day of the game. Yeah, look, it, uh, and that is part of the problem the Aussies have. We don't spend enough time together and certainly when you're going through, a, a, <coughs> excuse me, a change in formation like, um, the team is at the moment with a back three. Um, mm. You need to spend a lot of time working on that, and everyone needs a real clear understanding of their roles. And um, Ryan McGowan got thrown in at the deep end after Bailey Wright got injured, and um, he he did look rusty. The shape wasn't there, the balance wasn't there, the organisation wasn't there, um, and that was really evident in the way that the Saudis opened us up on, on more than one occasion. Cosie, just speaking of the, the, the starting eleven, what did you make of... Um, Brad Smith's selection in particular because he's had such little football this year? Well, a lot of our players have had little football as well. Robbie Cruz hasn't played for, for quite a while. He came off the bench. I think Brad Smith understands that role. The thing is that I know it's easy to say that players haven't had much football, but they've been training in a professional environment. So I know game time is important and you need to be match fit as well. Um, it's probably why Brad Smith only played half a game because you can't actually substitute games for training. Um, or training for games, sorry, but um, look, I think he did okay. He's a get-forward sort of guy, and that's what Ange Postecoglou looks for. He wants him wide on the left. He's got a great left peg, um, but he did look rusty like a few of the other players did as well. But, I mean, look at Tommy Roggett. He only played the other week and scored in the cup final for Celtic. Um, yeah, he struggled, <coughs> excuse me, for you know a long period of time in that match. So it's, it's more a, a case of players being used to each other. So, yeah, the three-week camp the Saudis had would have benefited them a hell of a lot. And, um, you know, it's probably having the Confeds Cup now and the, the guys spending a lot of time together over the next month will, will you know, it, we haven't got an immediate game after that, but we certainly will benefit from that time together. I think you'll find things will be a lot smoother. So, we obviously, um, the next game in the qualification period is in... Uh, the 30, uh, 31st 30th of, of August. Yeah, yeah, 31st of August since Japan in Tokyo. Um, do you expect Ange would tinker with his system uh, based on the fact that that's away from home in such a, a such a big game, or do you expect uh, to continue the way he's going with this uh, new formation? Well, that's something that Ange is going to probably best to answer. It's, um, look, it, would you say that, um, and you've got to look at it realistically, you've got to find out and... I suppose only Ange knows the, the, the real reason why, um, not the stuff that goes in the paper. 
Um, <clears throat> why did he change in the first place? Was it to get more width? Because I've always thought that the team needed to play with more width. You know, playing the four-three-three, there was a, a, a very central um, striking formation. The wingers would always come in and play very, very narrow, and so your width then came from overlapping fullbacks. But um, that left us being exposed transitionally. So. Um, we've got a bit more width in the middle of the park now. We've got more numbers in the middle of the park, theoretically. Um, so you look at the reasons why Ange may have changed. And um, changing back, like you don't play three games and you're trying to bring in a new formation, then suddenly change it back. I think you've just got to spend time working on on the players that are there so that they actually understand their roles completely because the first 45 minutes are very, very disjointed. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to John Cosmina about the World Cup qualifier last night, Australia beating Saudi Arabia in Adelaide three goals to two. So so some of the players um, did stand up. Um, there were um, some players who uh, who didn't have their, their best games. Uh, uh, can you, you pick a couple of the uh, the better players from your point of view, obviously the goal scorers and uh, a couple of guys who, who didn't quite um, match oh. up? I think Tommy Rogic probably showed the, I guess the, the talent that he that we all recognise that he's got. It's not on display often enough, unfortunately. But he was he was fairly consistent across the the, the ninety minutes of the match. Um, maybe unlucky not to get his hat trick. To be honest, he had a mm. great chance. Yeah, it's probably the easiest of the lot. And, yeah, it was. Uh, first goal was a great finish. Uh, very instinctive, uh, but technically very very correct. And, and his header was a, a really sublime header. It was a, it was a good finish from a, a not a difficult ball to deal with, but um, his decision making was quick. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. So I think Rogic did quite well. Um, as for the rest, I think everybody was was fairly patchy. Aaron Moy came into the game. Um, he played a little bit higher up the park, and um, I think at times in that first half, certainly him and Milo Yednik got got too close together. Uh, mm. wasn't a lot of balance in the middle of the park. They were both either too far advanced or no one was really sitting deep. There was a little bit more one up, one back. Uh, Millet probably tending to be the one that sat back and stayed more in contact with uh, Trent Staines and the other two central defenders. And we saw the best and worst of Matt Leckie, um, Jackson Irvine, probably a little off his best after two you know, close to best on ground performances in the, the two games prior. <coughs> yeah, look, Jackson Irvine's a, a runner. He's a workhorse um, and he's always going to get forward. Um, some days it'll work better than others. Last night was one that um, it didn't work all that well. But, but you've got to give the Saudis credit. I mean, we're talking about the Aussies not playing well. But they, they put us in that situation. They made, as I said, life very, very difficult for us in that first 45 minutes. They, they shut us down really, really quickly. They were very good physically. Um, they made it they were very, very competitive. And it made it really difficult. The amount of times we, we actually turned the ball over because we were pressured into turning it over. Um, I'd lost count. You know, we were trying to play comfortable passes that that we didn't really um, that we in the past we've got away with. Last night we didn't. They made them gave us an inch. Um, the other thing I don't think we probably looked to play in behind often enough in that first half, and that's what changed things at halftime. Matty Leckie, mm. um, who had a, a pretty much an atrocious first half apart from the ball he knocked in for, uh, for Tommy Urich, um, started making forward runs. He started getting off the shoulder of the fullback. It sets your opponent. It puts them on the back foot and makes them think, is he going in behind? Is he coming off short? Lecky was so, he was far more advanced. Um, you see how often he, he got into areas where he threatened the Saudi defence, and it just helped um, drag them back. The Saudis, um, to be honest, probably sat back, I think, were probably happy to try and contain things for the early part of that, that second half. And um, they invited Australia to come forward. Once we got on top, that was the end of it. 
You're speaking of the Saudis, the two goal scorers, uh, El Salawi and uh, El Dasari, uh, I probably didn't pronounce those correctly, but those two goal scorers, they're very technically gifted players, aren't they? I mean, they could play comfortably out of Saudi Arabia and other, other leagues around the world without any problems, couldn't they? Well, you would think so, but um, that tends to be the thing with the Middle East players. That they, they are in a, not in a comfort zone, I suppose, but it's where they're, they're most comfortable. And um, it's probably got a bit to do with cultural way of thinking as well, um, where they would fit into, into other leagues and, and how difficult it would be for them to adapt. So, look, I, they are very, very technically correct, the Saudis. Probably they're much more proficient, I would say, than the Aussies are if you look at the amount of combinations that they played and the one-twos and how they actually penetrated um, the Australian defence last night with clever passing. Um, we didn't do it to them. We couldn't break them down that way. We had to get in behind in wide areas. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast. It's how we are as a team. Mm. Um, we don't have that kind of, I guess, cleverness in that front third where you can get those little combinations. Yep. Um, I don't think we're incapable of doing it, um, but this goes back to how your players are brought up. Yep. And if it's not part of your upbringing, um, it's certainly awfully hard to, to instill in a player when he's, you know, in his mid-20s and he's, he's reached his peak and playing for the Socceroos. Sure don't is. change, don't change um, players. You adapt to what the players are good at and use their strength. It does. Cosy, thanks again, mate. Uh, always good to have you on the show. No danger. Thanks, guys. Stick around. Next up, Michael Cockerell. We're going to talk about his article this week on bringing back the ethnicity into the Australian game. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box. Michael Cockrell is one of the senior voices in the game in this country. When he writes an article, people read it and they pay attention to it. He wrote a, a really well-timed uh, piece this week in the Sydney Morning Herald about uh, the time to acknowledge the ethnic clubs as the strength of Australian football, which we are going to talk to in just a moment. But welcome to the show, Michael. First up, your observations on uh, the nail-biter in Adelaide last night. Well, I think I've just stopped sweating, actually. Um, you know, that was such a relief, Tommy Rogic. A player who I have massive raps on produces uh, at the moment that he needed mm. to produce. So mm. I like the quote from Ange. Uh, he probably told Tommy at halftime, "Listen, you owe us one," and he did. Mm. So we, we we got the result, which is of course critical in World Cup qualifying. Um, mm. Work in progress, definitely. Mm. Players, systems. No one's going to walk away from that thinking mm. Australia are the finished product. But yeah. um, we've put a lot of life back into the campaign. Well, you just have to look at the uh, the qualifiers in, in Europe um, over this weekend and the and the countries, the big, big names, you know, the Dutch, of course, uh, the uh, the standout there that, that are probably not going to qualify. We, we, we can't take it for granted. And uh, when, you know, you've got a country like Saudi Arabia pouring the sorts of uh, resources that they're in, uh, you know, they've got a, a coach, of course, who's taken a team to, to a final. Uh, they were serious, uh, seriously looking like they were, they were going to uh, not only uh, get uh, split the points, but potentially win that game yeah look it was definitely in the balance and um, in the first half uh, the way they opened us up was a worry and uh, you can see the technique of the players um, look you know they are incredibly well looked after incredibly well paid I think if you're looking for a difference and this is a problem with Middle Eastern football generally is that they remain in their comfort zone uh, the best Middle Eastern players they never play outside their countries they effectively aren't allowed to play outside their countries and I think we had a bit more street smarts when it mattered. And um, the fact that our players play in different leagues across the world probably gives them a little bit more of that sort of, um, you know, knowledge that they need mm. to grind out results when we have to. 
Yes, it was a great night last night. And uh, as you said, uh, Australia's campaign for 2018 Russia well and truly back on track. But Mike, what a, a article you wrote uh, during the week. And it was a timely one, as Rob mentioned off the top of this uh, segment. Um, in the uh, heady days, in the heady environment of A-League and, uh, and all of the investment that's happening in the A-League, obviously the discussion around the future of our national competition, it's easy to forget uh, the contribution that ethnic clubs, um, clubs like my own, Heidelberg United, uh, have made uh, through the journey and they do rightly uh, deserve credit and you wrote a very good piece, Mike. So why don't you take us through the motivation for writing the piece on the recognition of ethnic clubs and, and their future well, in the game? A couple of points that I need to uh, make. I mean, an ethnic club doesn't have to be a, a mono-ethnic club. And I think uh, what people who uh, don't dig below the surface haven't understood that a lot of these clubs have evolved in the last 10, 15 years. They, they're much more welcoming, much more open, much more broad-minded than they may have once been. So I think that's a really important point, although we still categorise them as ethnic clubs. Look, you know, I've been around for a long time and it's always been us versus them, us being whatever you want to call the mainstream of Australia, which is, again, another very subjective subject, and them being, uh, you know, the people who come from other countries and, and have this incredible passion for the game and somehow we've fallen into this trap for the best part of 60 years, ever since the big split of 1957, that, you know, you have to be in one camp or the other. I've never been in either camp. I believe it's so important to just look at the big picture and that the game benefits if everyone understood each other a lot better. So... The motivation at this particular week for writing the column was I've been observing the results in the FFA Cup. And guess what? As the cream rises to the top out of the semi-pro NPL system, which is doing uh, right now and will be finalised in a couple of weeks before the draw, the ethnic clubs, in inverted commas, are the ones still producing the results who will do still dominate the FFA Cup draw in 2017. Therefore, they are still contributing as much as they have been in the past in the context and the constraints in which they operate. So give them credit. Understand these guys are still slogging away, doing the hard yards for development, for facilities, for, for crowds, um, all the things that we want, and, that, and they need to be acknowledged. Yeah, absolutely. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Michael Cockrell about his article this week, Time We Acknowledge Ethnic Clubs as the Strength of Australian Football. Now, on what you just uh, commented on, my favourite paragraph in, in your article, get rid of the hang-ups, embrace the diversity and a bigger, better world opens up. It doesn't have to be us and them. Two of the most memorable FFA Cup nights have been at Olympic Village, home of Heidelberg United and at Denza Park, home of Sydney United. Packed houses, record ratings, the smell of Suvlaki or Shivapi in the night air. Believe it or not, ethnicity sells. It's done right, mate. You're making me hungry just uh, reading the article. <laughs> You know what? I didn't get a free uh, Suvi when I was down at Olympic Village either, mate. So oh, you didn't. You didn't come and see me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, I think you had a PQ in front of you. That was yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> nah, mate. He mate, went. Um, he went behind the tent, mate. He doesn't go to the right. front of the queue. Okay. Look, the, the other wider context of this, and, I, and it's, it's important to realise that societal society and the societal changes in Australia, mate. It's becoming very trendy mm, and mm. sexy to be multicultural. I mean. Yeah. Mate, can, can I just day, jump yeah. in there? Sorry, Mike. I wanted to point out on that. I, my wife is Italian, so my kids are half from that heritage. One of his best mates, his name is Massimo. His father is Massimo, but his father is Max. But the young boy, he doesn't want to be Max. He's Massimo. They're claiming their heritage. Yes, they are. They're out and proud. I mean, not that they should have ever been otherwise. No. And you look at the travel patterns of Australians. I mean, 
what's the most popular destination for a lot of Australians in Europe now? It's probably the Croatian coast. I yeah. mean, people are people are understanding the beautiful world, the wider world, the interesting world we have out there, which is reflected in our own game, and it's becoming much more, um, you know, uh, as I said, you know, sexy if it's for want of a better word to to be exploring multiculturalism, and you know, football's right there, right there to take advantage of this. And we should be taking advantage of this. We should be selling it, promoting it. It's a huge point of difference. Don't tell me the AFL aren't jealous of that yeah. um, benefit that we have in our game, that, that advantage we have. Of course they are. And, you know, we don't celebrate it. We don't promote it. We don't understand it. We don't engage it. Right at a time in our history when it's all before us, there's so much blue sky, youth football, mm. to do this. Mike, um, the extension to your article is obviously um, those people that are holding the candle uh, and, and keeping it alight. Uh, still, you know, if you look down at the, uh, the the nucleus of all these clubs that you mentioned in your article, they're still holding aspirations that maybe one day they'll get an opportunity to play at the highest level. I mean, can you see, uh, this might sound like a silly question to some people, but can you see in your lifetime, uh, you know, clubs that have a traditional and historical part of our uh, our game will get an opportunity to fight uh, to play in the top league again, whether that's through a second division or uh, uh, through in- entry to the A-League in-, in their own right? Well, we've got to establish the pyramid system for that to happen, but um, as we speak today, you know, we know South Melbourne are very public about wanting to be as part of the A-League and, you know, um, one of the things that they've repeatedly mentioned is that they are not the South Melbourne of 20 years ago. You know, they've been incredibly... Uh, focused on presenting an image that is, um, you know, multicultural, mainstream, you name it. They have opened their doors. They've created a facility. You know, they, they are selling that message. So, therefore, because they are South Melbourne with their Greek heritage, should that count against them? Of course it shouldn't count against them. You know, clubs should be uh, invited to the top table on their merits. Clubs that uh, like West Adelaide, Adelaide City, Wollongong Wolves, Brisbane Strikers, South Melbourne, not all ethnic, of course, but all gaps out of the NFL era. They shouldn't be penalised for being part of that era. Um, having said all that, I guess I want to make it clear that the article wasn't saying the A-League needs to become you know, a, a rebadged NSL. I mean, to my knowledge, most of these clubs at this level of football aspire to a, a level of football they can afford. So some of them are happy to stay within the NPL system as it exists. And the more motivated ones, there's about 30 of them around Australia, want to be part of a second division, which I'm so passionate about, it's not funny. And, you know, if that's the level a lot of these clubs participated in the future, with promotion of the A-League sometime down the track, then they are uh, re-motivated. They've been uh, allowed to, to sort of um, get their aspirations back and, and excite themselves. And once they do that, watch what happens, you know. Yeah. The money will come, the enthusiasm will come, the supporters will come. Yeah. And everyone wins. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 claiming your heritage and uh, and embracing the advantage that football has naturally in this country. Uh, we're not saying that you know lots of uh, you know people and traditional from... names. I think the traditional names yeah. of these clubs are absolutely sensational, yeah. and um, they were banished at a time mm. uh, for reasons that not everyone agrees with, including myself. But mm. It is great to be able to call a club Hellas. It's great to be able to call, mm, mm. Uh, you know, a club Olympic. They're important, important um, milestones. Alexander, does that still get a run? Yeah, <laughs> Alexander gets a run, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Michael, thank you so much, mate. Um, uh, kudos to you for uh, for writing that article and, and putting this um, uh, this conversation fir- firmly on the agenda. It will uh, continue on and, uh, and we'll certainly be playing our part and, uh, in continuing on, on Box to Box. Okay. Mate.
Good luck, guys. Thank you. Talk to you again soon, mate. Stick around. All Dino right. is after the break. We're going to talk uh, transfers. We're going to re- continue our review of the A-League season. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on any number of apps, and of course the podcast on Box to Box, NTS.com.au. Now, the first hour of the show has been chock a block with the World Cup qualifier, but now it's time to shift our focus to the domestic game and the A League. Dino, good to have you in the studio, mate. Yeah, good to be here, Rob. Mm. Um, yeah, all excited, really. There's a lot, uh, lot being talked about in the first hour, and um, you know, looking at now, most probably with our eyes onto season 2017. 18 of yeah. the A League, uh, but, but, but briefly your observations on the game and on the uh, game last and, night. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, it's it's one of them. It's 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 three points that we really needed. Um, at times, we made hard work of it. Um, but I think overall, over the 90 minutes, I know they had quite a lot of possession, but a lot of their possession wasn't really troubling us. It was in their generally in their half where we had you know everybody behind the ball, I guess. Um, but look, I. I I've got a couple of thoughts on it. I've got some issues with regards to when we go to other countries in the world, we have to behave. Yes, Marco did come in off the long run at the top of the show on that. With regards to that. And it's just not, you know, and and again, I know through, we've been through it already, but again, it's, you have a duty that you're in somebody else's country. If we went to Saudi Arabia, you know, if we blink to the wrong side, they'll be all over us. Now, they've just show, shown disrespect. Now, if, it, if it's not in their culture or they don't believe in it, then the minimum requirement, they go to their positions and stand. For any number of reasons, as we said, it's, it's not a, a good look coming from uh, a country with uh, an entirely different culture. And, uh, like, I guess we won't go too far into the uh, the sources and causes of uh, those attacks. But, um, yeah, it's just a bad look. All so that, 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 in, that in itself was poor. But put that aside, I thought Australia... Did lots of things really, really well. I thought their second half performance was far, far better than their first. We have got off to a really good start, and um, look, it's it's a vital three points. Uh, I, I remember Simon Hill saying just very late, yeah. "Are we going to go for the extra goal to get the goal difference?" You know what? I don't think it really mattered. I mean, there's, there's still games to go. We can fix that. It was more important. Especially because they'd conceded late in the first half. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, no, we, none of us were, were comfortable until that um, final whistle blew, mate. Now uh, to the A League. So we're going to start off with the transfer. Yeah, mark just, before we move. Well, there's into a couple the... of little things. Um, Wellington Phoenix have announced that Dutchman, and uh, you'll have to if, have to forgive me. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got a Dutchman sitting next to me, and he's struggling <laughs> with it. Um, but it's <laughs> it's Dare uh, Kalasic, and uh, he um, he's joined as a head, new head coach. Uh, there's an article on Fox Sports, which uh, is, is part one. So I'm not sure how many parts are going to be to this, but, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's an exciting new chapter for uh, for Dare. And, um, you know, it's it's Wellington maybe just going in a slightly different direction mm-hmm. to where they've been with, like, say, years gone by with Ernie and, mm-hmm. and the guys that took over from mm-hmm. him. Um, in, in regards- and a well-known assistant coach with him too, Dino. Sorry? And a well-known assistant coach to him. With no, him. and who's that? Yeah, Dario Vizic. Oh, is Dario there? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's... The old man, I yeah, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Look, and obviously they'll know each other, I would imagine, Correct. from uh, from past lives. Um, mm. But also, even just on the new... Uh, sorry, on Wellington, Phoenix. Interesting, during the week, uh, Barbarousas has left. Um, a much mm. coveted signing last year. You know? Not surprised. I, I th- he was definitely linked to America, wasn't he? 
Well, he was, but it's still, you know, he's gone. The, the, the official line is personal reasons. So I'm not quite sure how we read that. Is that just maybe a better offer somewhere else? But um, it's, a, it's the catch all, isn't it, mate? Uh, well, he was on a big number there. I mean, I think he was one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid. He was their marquee player. Marquee player. So and guys, so when we talk big numbers in football, we're 700, talking, I think. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Especially in our domestic in, yeah, game, exactly. Yeah, uh, so it, it's it's an interesting one. So that's look. I mean, we're going to cover fi- uh, Wellington Phoenix later as we go along uh, in our uh, project of looking at each club. Mm-hmm. Um, the next club. We're also just on one other thing as well. We're out of Wellington, uh, Alex uh, Rodriguez has gone and gone to Boa Vista in Portugal which I thought was an interesting move. move. So it's a good move for him. So good luck to Alex. Um, But now most probably Newcastle Jets. Now, with Newcastle Jets, there's a lot lot changing at Newcastle, as we all know. Um, We've obviously Mm. had Ernie on. And you know that's you know with Laurie McKinna. Mm. uh, We have him on our show all the time. And well, they scream. Experience and apart from uh, Ernie's uh, brief stint in, in New Zealand, a degree of stability, don't they? They do. Um, and look, I think, I think just, and I'm not, you know, you can't ever predict what's going to happen next. But I've got a feeling that this could work. I mm. think there's the, the two individuals at the helm of the club know each other really, really well. They go back a long way, thirty odd years. And I think there's, you know, Ernie's experience. You know, he's done really well at Victory. I thought he'd really assembled a good team at Wellington. Mm. It didn't quite work out the way he wanted just it to. Just got off on the yeah, uh, just wrong foot, didn't it, with those World Cup qualifiers? World Cup qualifiers, a things. lot against you with losing half your team to international mm. duty. Mm. And again, we've we've got to fix that. Everywhere in the world, we go into a window mm. where we have a break. Mm. In Australia, we don't. We, we just pack our internationals off and everything's yeah. diluted and... I can't see why this. We don't. We only play twenty-seven games. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like you can't throw a midweeker in when they're all back. Yeah, and, and and our opinions and the world of football's opinion on expansion is is well and truly noted. But what we do need is competitive teams in in the uh, the competition we've already got, don't we? Well, we do, we do, and uh, and I think the sooner we get to grips with that, especially from a from a New Zealand point of view mm. and Wellington as a franchise but even just in our, <clears throat> the other clubs in Australia they have to be across it as well you know it mm. could be just one international they've got that's so valuable to their team and he's not available because he's committed to his international career and they shouldn't be penalised for that and every, as I say everywhere in the world seem to cater for that and try mm. and protect it and for some reason we don't which is so you like so, so you like the Ernie and Laurie combo then? I do I think um, there's a hell of a lot of experience there um and and I think with Ernie and Laurie, they've seen the days of when we used to have the National League, mm, and now they've mm, got the A League. So mm. they've they've seen what was was working in yeah, the old days and what yeah. didn't. And certainly they've seen this, they can see the same now in in the A League as we know it today. Um, interesting. There's most probably like most clubs mm. in uh, when we have our off season uh, uh, parade. It's more outs than ins. Yep. But uh, just a quick run of the outs that we know of is uh, Andrew Hall, uh, Ian Fife. Uh, Morton Nardstrand, uh, Joel Allwright. He was pretty good for them. He was. Yeah, we didn't mind him. Uh, uh, Haliti went, Ben uh, Ben Kennedy, uh, Marley Lee has gone, Uh, Daniel Mullen, uh, Prio Nelsa, uh, Matteo Paljak. Did did you mention Demi Petratos? No, I'm going to bring him Mm -hmm. in with us because he's actually coming in. Ah, He's coming in. Uh, And uh, Tomislav Aracha. So that's something like about eight or nine going out. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that, and I don't know about you guys, is most of the the teams that aren't successful, there's a big turnover. Yeah. 
where a lot of the ones, let's say like Sydney FC, even you know the, the top teams, Victory, have not really had too many go out, maybe three or four. Well, Sydney have only got two. Two going out, but yeah. where it, it just seems like, you know, obviously a new coach comes in, so I do understand that. Yeah. If it's an existing coach, he generally tries to keep it together. But the, the ins, um, and again, I, I think they've recruited really, really well, and we'll, we'll come to, to Dimi in a second. We've got Daniel Georgievsky from Victory. Uh, Good signing. Yeah. Um, Mario uh, Chabal. Uh, we've got Roy O'Donovan. Um, That's a good sign. Roy, I like Roy. Yeah, he's a he's a handful. Is Roy? Um, I don't know if I'd want to play against him week in week out. I think he'd. He'd uh, make you work, wouldn't I he? Think As a defender, he would. He would. He'd, he'd be in your face, and he's also got a bit of talent. Yeah. He has, and and, uh, and I think especially when you're leading the line, and especially when you were playing with uh, Central Coast Mariners, it, it was important that. Uh, you know that he was doing that for them, uh, Glenn Moss, and I think that's a good little signing. Um, I think the the other keeper is better than Moss. Which one, Jack, Jack Dunton? Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Look, he's come in as well. So that's you know, and been. But I suppose the the news of the of the day is uh, Dimi Petratos yeah. gone overseas and then come back. It's is that is that really based on stuff that's going to regards to where it's. He's gone there, it's not working out, and they've just come straight back. Don't know. Oh, it's obviously, uh, you, you think he's, he would have gone to South Korea for a, a reason, and to be back so soon is probably, uh, is probably why he's, um, you had asked that question, Dan. Course, good to yeah. have him back at the A-League. It is good to have him. He's got a thundering strike, hasn't yeah. he? All right, Perth Glory, um, and we'll have to move quickly here. Inns are Scott Neville, uh, Jacob... Uh, now, this is an interesting... I'm, I'm struggling with this one. It's uh, Policero and uh, Joe Knowles uh, being promoted from their youth system. But again, a lot of release. Dino Dilbrich, uh, Costa Petratos. The Dilbrich um, released, he, he, he's been um, a real rock in defence for, 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 for a long so, time and influential. I know he, he's, uh, he's a bit loose a bit in terms of, of his discipline, but uh, but he has been, he was, I thought he was pretty good this past season. Yeah, look, in some games he was really good. Uh, another one gone that's really experienced, Richie Garcia, mm. who had a great coveted career over in England. Um, Josh Risden's gone, uh, gone to the Wanderers. Um, uh, Aaron Williams release, which I think is interesting. Reese Williams obviously gone to victory. Uh, Lucien Garn released. Uh, Marinkovic gone. And uh, Mitchell Arabau gone. And Jordan Thurtell, who's... Uh, it's brother, a real clean out, isn't it? Yeah, and his brother actually plays in the NPL down here as a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Thurtell at uh, Bentley Greens. Um, nothing's come in other than, obviously, the ones we've talked Marinkovic, about. Marinkovic, I know he was used a lot... Uh, off the bench, wasn't he? Well, he was. He, he, and I think that's most probably, from his point of view, is he's going there to look for regular football. Mm. Um, and then basically Handy just... Handy player, though. Yeah, and then there's uh, Jamal Rainers and Mark Warren off contract. I don't know if that's been updated as yet. So I think there's a little bit of work for Kenny to do there in, in the in the. I think they'll probably weeks. keep Warren. You think they will? Yeah, I think they would. Yeah, look, he um, he always had a little bit of times where he's, he's struggled in certain games, but I think towards the back end of the season, he, he came to his own mm. and did really, really well for them. Well, we're expecting big things from Perth next year, and uh, and Kenny, uh, you know, just scraping into the finals and uh, and, and coming back from uh, you know what was a sort of a wobbly start to to really finish strong, uh, lose the FFA Cup final it was sort of a pass mark for them. But uh, but we're, there was we're there was a look. I think the Reese Williams thing had a lot to do yeah. with a little bit of disruption in the dressing room, yeah. and uh, and I think there was some heady days there where you know he was 
most probably contemplating what comes next, but they stuck together, and yeah. you're quite right. They turned it around, and now I thought they had a really good mm. back end to the season. You know, maybe a, a, not a great finish in the end, but mm. uh, I think there's something there to yeah. build on. You did say it right. All right, Dana, we'll talk to you in the next hour when we we'll go through all the international news and stick around because after the break, we're going to talk to the Sydney Morning Herald's Michael Cockerell about his article, Acknowledging Our Ethnic Heritage is the Demand, and um, we tend to agree with it on Box to Box. Of course, Dana's going to return, as I mentioned, with everything going on in the international game, and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. That's all coming up next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to Dave Davudovic. We're going to go through a couple of things with him, most big importantly. Big game on today. Oh, the massive game on tonight, Brazil v Argentina. Well, it was a big game last night, Edge, as well. And, of course, Dino's going to return with everything going on in the international game. We'll wrap it up with stoppage time. Yes, it is a big game tonight. But, Marco, you were saying off air that, um, you know, the timing with the World Cup qualifier taking football oxygen out and, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, of grand final replays in the AFL and NRL, uh, you know, it really isn't... I've got to say, I've been totally confused this week in terms of schedules because the soccer is was Thursday night. We've got Argentina, Brazil, of course, tonight. Soccer then is on Tuesday. Soccer is on well. Tuesday. And then there's, there is footy in between as well and mm. uh, local football, uh, round ball football as well. But... Um, yeah, look, and a big uh, game in Melbourne uh, on Sunday night. What's that? The big derby. Oh, South Melbourne versus uh, Fitzroy Alexander, is it? That's right. Fitzroy, yep. In the old uh, days, as Mike Cockrell um, mentioned in the first hour, it's is, great to remember. Is that a Bob Jane or is it uh, out at your no, that's, mud heap? Is it Amy Park, Mark? Of course it is. That's right. It's, how weird is that this, that uh, South Melbourne have been kicked off their own stadium? Well, because Brazil. Brazil, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, they're yeah. not exactly um, being you know, sort of downgraded by going to Amy Park, are they? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. What do you, what's the vibe going to Amy Park for for the derby? I think it'll be great little uh, little game. Uh, I think the, the, the women. I think there'll be five or six. I think yeah, that's the normal oh, sort sure, of crowd. Surely there'll be more than five or six people there. Five or six thousand. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, just but hang on. I hope point. they put extra security on because the um, you mm-hmm. know the people that. Um, you know, easy, the, easy. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There'll be no, there'll be Hashtag no, uh, no pyrotechnics. Hey, Mark, no, uh, Mark's right. I, I thought uh, it was a good sign the fact that we got Brazil and Argentina in in Melbourne preparing to play tonight. Mm. That there has been little discussion about that game because mm. most most of the discussion, rightly so, mm. was on Australia's World Cup yeah. qualification yeah. Um, process. So. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a, a bit of a coming of age of football. In the past, it would have been all about Brazil and Argentina. Yeah. Uh, but and, and the mainstream um, media certainly gave it the coverage that it deserved. Mm. And but uh, I think it'll make an impact, in at least in Melbourne, 95,000 people at the MCG. Yeah. It, it will definitely make an impact. Yeah, well, if Neymar had have turned up, as um, you know, all of the publicity indicated prior to uh, the match and when all the tickets were sold, uh, I think it would have been a different story altogether. Neymar v Messi. Um, well, we'll talk to Dave Davudovic about that in a moment. But you've got some more news, Mark. Are you going to kick the, uh, kick the Middle Eastern... Con- no, that's fine. No, no, I love those people. Now, Barbarousas, uh, Costa Barbarousas, uh, went to Wellington Phoenix last year, boys. It was a massive signing for the club. Yeah, we did talk about and that with Dino in the first yeah, hour briefly. But we did, didn't we? Yes, okay, I'll move on. But no, um, no, in all seriousness, he, he's now very much linked with coming back to Melbourne victory. The thing is, this is such a blow for Wellington Phoenix. The identity of that club, yeah. um, given he was a, he's a Kiwi international, yeah, yeah. he's a local boy, that is such a kick in the guts for them. 
Mm. And he's heading back to, you know, potentially back to, to Australia. Anyway. Yeah, particularly since Marco Rojas is already here. And, uh, you know, I mean, the uh, the biggest of big names for the uh, the, the, the local he's game the, over and there. Of course, he's known as the Kiwi Messi. I wonder if yes. he's down at uh, Bob Jane this week. Uh, just sort of say, is Messi known as the Argentine Rojas? Yes, he is. <laughs> I don't think he is. Hey, Liverpool have reportedly ended all interest in Southampton centre-back Virgil van Dijk. Didn't that co- create some controversy? Uh, Liverpool were you know, well, traditionally very classy when it came to transfers, but Virgil. didn't do a particularly good Virgil. job on this one, tapping him up. Virgil van Dijk. Aren't they also banned his parents from... parents were thinking uh, when they named you Virgil? <laughs> What, they like the Thunderbirds? Is that probably. what you're talking it's about? Probably <laughs> it's probably. That's a visual gag, Mark. We're on the radio. Hey, AC Milan have reportedly made a bid for Manchester United target Andre, Andre Balotti with the Torino striker. The subject of an estimated $67 million bid. Massive news there. And, of course, uh, in turn, Man United are now in hot pursuit of Real Madrid man Alvaro Morata with the European champions reportedly asking, can you believe this, $134 million for his signature? Million is it going to happen? Are you sure, not billion. Not sure whether it'll happen. Mark, you're the newsman. Hey, Mark, considering that you put Maybe enormous Jane. Mark, considering you put enormous time into your preparation for these new segments. Yes. Um, where does Matt Ryan's potential move to Brighton and Hove Albion rank in uh, in news stories worthiness? Well, it's pretty high. I mean, the, the question is, he just needs to. Well, not question statement. I'm going to make. He just needs to get somewhere where he can play. The, the reality is. Um, Stay in Belgium. Uh, is, is he going to start at Brighton? Mm. I wouldn't well, have thought so. No. So we don't know. It why? On who was why? Funny, but I think he was. Does he keep doing this to himself. No. See, Dino, our, our Dino, man who actually knows Dino, him, was okay, shaking well, his head through Dino, the glass. Put those headphones on because you're sipping um, a, a cup of coffee now and uh, make some observations. They're going to need a good goal stopper. Well, they are. Um, Newly promoted, uh, Chris Hutton, manager. Why wouldn't he start? You're shaking your head as if you know that he wouldn't start. No, look, I just don't. Oh, he's our English news hound. No, I'm, I'm only, it's only an opinion. Yeah, um, it's a good opinion, but I look, he's know got why. He's got great feet. got great feet. We but, saw that last night. But I don't know, in even in the Premier League, how important that is. It's If you look at the size of goalkeepers, even when people are saying, you know, have you got a goalkeeper here in Australia? And the first question is, how tall is he? And uh, it doesn't measure up to what they normally look like in England. It doesn't matter whether they're the Italian coaches, uh, Dutch coaches. They want a goalkeeper that's a big size, five, six, five. Going through England's history, you've had some pipsqueaks in goal. Um, yes, but that's, that's not, not, that's not, in recent, been rubbish. not not in recent times. That isn't all the good. All the big goalkeepers are all six foot well, four, Joe Hardy, five. The, Joe six five. Yeah, Mate, it's, it's just minimum requirement. And, and again, I'm not talking on behalf of Chris Hutton here because I don't know, but. Yeah, I mean, great backup, but I don't know whether he'll start week in, week out. And that's what worries me, because that then comes back to the point Mark's making. You, you've got to be playing regular football. And if you're playing regular football, you're going to kick off. Aaron Moy's a great example. Yeah, He's gone there, hit the ground running. Games. 56 mm. games. And he looked like he played 56 last night, by the he way, just he, on that. Tight, looked tired, so, very tight. He's been yeah. poor for the Socceroos the last three tired. or four times. Yeah. Aaron, but he did deliver that um, short Looked ball like he'd for, been for, had for three Rog- days on the beer. Rog- for Rogic, though, um, so he, he when, he, when we needed him, he, he did step up with at least one play. So, Mark's initial comment that uh, Matt Ryan needs to go somewhere where he's going to play well, is relevant. Yeah. It's relevant it is because for all players, even when he went to Valencia, he was he was only ever at best going to be second choice. Yes, he came in. Don't ask me the name of the the first choice keeper, but they were out for six months, so he came in. He was going to be first choice, but then he was going to have a scrap. And then he ended up being third well, choice a lot of the, the time. The name of the first choice keeper, he, he'll when Australia plays Brazil, they're going to be playing against each other. There you go. Well, what's his name? Michael? No, no. 
Come on. It's up to you, mate. I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, someone's about to get hurt in here, but anyway, that's fine. Um, now, uh, yeah, so anyway, so if, if Belgium is his high watermark, then go to El- stay in Belgium. Like, yeah. Anyway. I mean, look, can I just use one example? You can. Brad Smith. Mm, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that there is a conversation starts last night mm-hmm. and blew a gasket by half time yes but worked his socks off for the team mm. was quite at times really good but mm. again hasn't played yeah, yeah but could you be critical of him for moving from um, he's played eight games from all Liverpool season Liverpool to the Cherries I mean he would have had, played eight games yeah but he would have thought season. that uh, mm. he was in, no, but uh, more is, of a chance to get yeah, a game for the Cherries anyway can I just, but let's use this as the analogy Bournemouth is Bournemouth Bournemouth were in the fourth division five, six, seven years ago Right, Brighton. When was the last time Brighton were in the Premier League? But they're in there now. It's the same. Bright, Brighton are going to just become another Bournemouth, but, and, but, and they're going to look for someone. But, but you, the, the real point is that, that you you don't want him going to Brighton if he's going to be the reserve no, goalkeeper, do no, you? You want no, him to go what, somewhere he's going to look, play. Look, he's a good goalkeeper. He's our he's our national keeper. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, it depends. Yeah. Well, on Mitch Langerak, um, you know, is stiff. He was well, a hero. Mitch. For, um, in, in Germany, so. What else have you got? You've got something else. That's well, it is line. interesting stuff over there. In I don't know how closely you follow this, but uh, Turkey captain Arda Turan has uh, Turan has announced his immediate retirement from international duties following a bust up with a journalist in camp following articles written during Euro 2016 claiming the Barcelona defender had a falling out with coach Fatih Tadem over bonuses. It's reported the, uh, the it's reported Turan grabbed the journalist by the throat and was close to hitting him before being restrained by teammates on a flight back from. Uh, the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia on Monday. I, I well, follow. You ask how f- closely we follow it. I'm, I just, I'm all over that. But um, mate, is, is there anything you can't be, missed you can't, on that story? Apparently, you can't be grabbing journos by the throat. Can you? Well, well you want to, but no. um, well, then you need to retire. There are a lot of footballers around the world who, um, you know, will be sending him. Uh, now, this one, of support. Michael, being the uh, sports marketing man you are, did you notice during the week that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo put a tweet up of himself as a kid? And then Nike have been outed on Twitter for seemingly photoshopping an Adidas logo out of his uh, jumper. So he's put a photo <laughs> he's put a photo up as a kid, and Nike have gone and taken the Adidas logo off the jumper. Yeah, I think there's more important things for Nike to do than that. You would have thought so. Mm. That said, he's probably getting paid a little bit by uh Now this is one we missed a couple of weeks ago, but I'll actually, Dino, while your mic's still on, Socceroos legend Harry Kuehl has landed his first senior head coaching job at English League Two side Crawley Town. Now, of course, he parted ways with Watford. This is a couple yep. of weeks ago, but only sort of picked this up this week. Thoughts on that? I mean, the yep. great Harry Kuehl at yep. Crawley Town. Perfect. Absolutely perfect for him. And this is where I think a lot of managers um, get lost in the system. It was no different in Australia. When I first started, I started in the second division. You know, you learn your trade. And I think that's what Harry's done. I think it's a great appointment for him. It's really in the... <laughs> it's a tough gig, um, you know, all the niceties won't be there, but the, the, <laughs> but the professionalism will be there. And, and this, for me, this is where you cut your teeth. So I think Harry's made an absolutely brilliant decision and uh, better than going to a big club and then all of a sudden failing and then not getting another job. So no, well done, Harry, and I hope he goes well. Excellent. I like it. All right, well done, Marco. A little bit more in stoppage time. You're going to come back for stoppage time because we've got, we've got a special treat for stoppage time. Yeah, yeah, we, we do. We sure we do. do. After the break, Dave Davudovic. There is a massive game on at the MCG tonight. Of course, we're going to ask Dave about the uh, World Cup qualifier, but Brazil v Argentina. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
Welcome back to Box to Box. Dave Davidovic, the Herald Sun. He's one of the leading voices in football in this country and uh, he obviously was all over last night's game and he's going to be over tonight's game, the Brazil v Argentina match. We're going to talk about both. Welcome to the show, Dave. Uh, always good to be with you, boys. Hey, mate. Um, last night, uh, I, uh, I messaged Edge during the, the game, uh, asking if he uh, he'd bitten his nails to the quick. Because, uh, geez, I mean, we we love to talk up a big game and how we should beat them, and how Saudi Arabia don't like to travel. But you know, we don't talk about how the fact that they'd been in in Frankfurt for three weeks, how Bert Van Marwijk had. Uh, taken the Netherlands to a World Cup final and and how much money they've poured into the game. So, you know, they were always a dangerous opponent. So to get out of that, not playing particularly well uh, was a good result. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, like you said, boys, always good to have a little bit of drama and whatnot, but uh, that was a little bit too close mm-hmm. to uh, Uruguay of, of 2005. Um, since we've joined Asia, it's been a little bit... Thank God it wasn't Iran circa 1997, mate. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, but look, uh, qualification still not sealed, but that 3-2 win was vital and uh, obviously brings Australia level pegging now with Saudi Arabia and, J- and Japan, uh, albeit Japan with a game in hand. But um, destiny is in Australia's hands, which is most important. Dave, um, Tommy Urich and uh, Tommy Rogic, um, obviously the goal scorers, so that obviously stands out, but... Um, I thought uh, that was a bit of a coming-of-age type of a, a, a game from both of those players because in the past we've relied on the Tim Cahills, etc., to uh, get the job done. And But um, <clears throat> that was a good sign, wasn't it, that, that they actually stood up and, and, uh, and started to deliver some goals? It was. And the day before the game, Ange Postacoglu said it was time for these players to repay the faith. And, of course, mm. we go back to... Late 2013, when he completely overhauled the squad, and uh, you know a lot of those older players, perhaps rightfully so, um, were disappointed. Not so much, uh, not just getting uh, dumped from the team, but the way Ange um, went about it. And uh, he has, you know, put a lot of faith in these younger players, and particularly uh, the, the the two that you just mentioned. Tommy Urich has started a lot of games where you know Timmy Cahill perhaps could have and, and should have. Um, you know, Jamie McLaren's been around, uh, although the games he started, I think Urich has been uh, unavailable. Um, but uh, look, I, I think Ange's faith in, in Tommy Urich in particular um, has been justified, and, and he's had a breakthrough season over in Europe. He's, he's scored, it's been his, uh, his best goal return. I think he's uh, in double digits when you incorporate all competitions. Um, most of those goals with his head, and you saw a fantastic header uh, last night, but uh, you also saw a a wonderful reaction, albeit to some absolutely farcical goalkeeping <laughs> from uh, Alm Asylum. Uh, but he still had to take it. Yeah, yeah, but but was it his fault? Because it was a slippery deck, and uh, he, he didn't look. <laughs> he didn't trip over his feet. He just slipped, didn't he? Well, he did, but there's no excuses for a keeper to be, uh, you know, hashing a, a clearance like he did when you've got so much time and. Mm. Uh, and uh, Bird Van Marwick was considering uh, <clears throat> dropping him for this game, and I reckon uh, he'll get hooked after that. But uh, no, Urich and, uh, and Rogic, and Rogic's uh, strike was just uh, scintillating. Mm. And, uh, you know, Moy knocking the ball into him quickly, a yes. uh, good little combination there. And, uh, yeah, that and was Matthew Leckie was, was good um, to, to set up that second goal as well. Um, a, a lot of good stories to talk about. But, mate, the big game tonight is one of the other reasons we... 
wanted you on the show, mate. The MCG, chock-a-block. I was down there yesterday. Uh, there, there's, uh, there were a lot of people down there to watch uh, the Argentines train um, in the afternoon, and I know there had been earlier in the day for Brazil. There's a lot of hype amongst the community and the people that are going, but uh, it doesn't seem to have, uh, have stolen the front pages of the press in this city, and let alone around the country. Uh, no, it hasn't. I mean, perhaps if Neymar was here, it yes. uh, might have been a different story. It hasn't taken away a little bit, I guess. Um, and uh, look, accessibility has been pretty tough uh, from a, a media viewpoint. I mean, yeah. I, I always uh, love seeing football on the front and back pages. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't happen uh, all that often. But um, look, uh, it doesn't uh, certainly doesn't take anything away from tonight's game. And I think once the game starts, uh, it'll be pretty intense for a friendly. I'm not usually a massive fan of these games, but watching the two teams train, yes. um, and again, Brazil have uh, given us much greater access than the uh, the Argentina side, but uh, I've been taken aback at the intensity of their sessions. I mean, considering yeah. Brazil has already qualified for the World Cup and uh you know, it's the end of the season. I mean, they've been going at it absolutely hammer and tongs. And, uh, you know, these guys despise each other on the field. And uh, and I think you'll see that tonight. No, but they're building big, big squads out, haven't they, Dave? Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have. They're, uh, you know, 20... I think Argentina's got 26 and Brazil uh, is thereabouts too. So Argentina absolutely full strength, led by Lionel Messi. Brazil uh, left five or six players behind. Um, having already secured qualification. But for Argentina, there's uh, far-reaching consequences potentially for this game. Well, in what in what respect, sorry? I mean, because I mean, it's a friendly, and we know they haven't qualified yet, but far-reaching consequences, what if they lose them? How do you expand on that? Well, their qualification is on a knife edge at the moment. Uh, they're fifth in the South American group. Um, their co, their old uh, Coach Bowser uh, was sacked after they lost to Bolivia, and uh, it's Jorge Sampaoli's first game in charge. So he's clearly not going to get sacked after this game. He's, he's got the uh, the job for the long haul. But their next qualifier is away to Uruguay, so they really need to get things right in this game. Um, and he's taking it absolutely 100% seriously. He will start with his strongest 11, uh, which will include uh, Messi, Higuain, Di Maria and Dybala. Um, and, you know, when you consider Dybala and Higuain played in the Champions League final, what, five days ago mm. um, and only arrived a couple of days ago, it gives you an indication of uh, of where things are at. But uh, it's been a World Cup-style lockdown, you know, co- one day it was a completely closed session. Yeah. Uh, the other couple of days open for only 15 minutes. So, um, you know, there is so much at stake for uh, for Argentina at the moment. Dave, um, I know the Victorian government will say this is a huge success because there's 95,000 people in the in the stadium. Um, it'll be a great night. There's no question about that. But where are you at with uh, friendlies of this uh, of this type? Where they sit in our own football landscape and the type of investment that governments undertake to uh, to secure them. Um, it's an interesting discussion because I think our football public are probably looking for a bit more, but I'm just interested in your view of the total package and where it sits. Well, 99,000 people are going to turn up tonight. So that to me indicates that there is a real appetite for these games and uh, tickets weren't cheap either. So um, as I told you earlier, I'm not a massive fan of these 
sorts of uh, fixtures, contests, uh, the club games, and particularly at the end of the season. I mean, at the start of the season, they've they've got a bit more to play for because of uh, the fact that you're leading into a, into a campaign. Um, however, you, the crowds are the, the crowds keep turning up. Um, you know, we always reference the, the Liverpool Melbourne victory game. Um, you know, from the other week, and uh, you know, th- this one's quite unique. The fact that we've brought out both Brazil and Argentina to play in this uh, super classico, as it's been dubbed. So, um, you know, it's always, I, I guess, dictated by the punters. The uh, the Tuesday night game will be interesting. That's the uh, the Brazil. What sort of crowd Australia are we expecting game. for that one, man? Oh, I think they'll be lucky to get to 50,000 for that one, mm. to be honest. Uh, look, if, if Brazil... Everyone spent their money on tonight's ticket. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the, the second game was released a little bit later. So, look, if Brazil put on a show tonight off the back of Australia's Socceroos, uh, you know, win last night, maybe they could uh, get it up to 60, but I think it'll be closer to, uh, to 50 at this stage. Who gets to wear the gold shirt? That's a really good question. I get the sense that uh, Brazil might be uh, deemed the, the, the home team in this one, but uh, that's unconfirmed. Well, that's the same as Liverpool, isn't it, in that friendly? And that was uh, deemed an insult, to use your words, mate. Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't uh, here for, for that game. I was overseas. But look, going back to your earlier point, I'm very lucky that I lived overseas for a few years and I you know, regularly attended Premier League and, and, and Champions League games and internationals. So I think that's the reason that we get such good crowds here. Obviously, not everyone has, uh, has been as privileged to, you know, to head abroad and watch games. This is the closest, uh, you know, they'll get to it for a lot of people. This will be the, yeah. the one and only time they get to see Lionel Messi and, uh, you know, Coutinho and these sorts of players. So, yeah, it's uh, a good point. Then that, yeah. Most people are not going to get to South America in their lives, let alone get there to watch a Brazil v Argentina match. And um, you know, and uh, you know, while some will have it on their bucket list to go to a World Cup, um, you know, the opportunity to see those two teams anywhere in the world—that's really... a very good point. We are lucky; we get to see football all over the world. Hey, Dave, I want to bring you back to um, just local news for a moment. We've been watching with great interest uh, the evolution of. Um, all these bidding uh, entities uh, for potential future A-League licences. Uh, here in Melbourne, uh, where you're on the beat, um, we have, uh, or in Victoria, we have three uh, emerging bids. One is obviously um, Steve Horvath and the uh, Western uh, Victorian or Geelong slash uh, Patriots bid. The other is obviously um, our old friends at South Melbourne. And now the emerging um, uh, significance of the the bid in Melbourne South East, uh, really the, the heartland of Dandenong, which is starting to capture the imagination of uh, broader people. Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, who's the uh, who's the leading uh, leading contender from your perspective at this point of their evolution? Well, at the moment, you'd have to say South Melbourne because they've made the most noise. They're the furthest advanced. They've got a stadium that's ready to go. If they announced, uh, you know immediately or, you know, even for a couple of years' time, um, we're, we're going to expand. I mean, they are in the best position at the moment. The Victoria Patriots, the, uh, I guess, Geelong-based um, bid at the moment, um, I mean, I guess they could play out of um, Simmons Stadium, I think it's called these days, Cadinia Park, um, although I think their preference is to build a, a rectangular stadium, and as for uh, Dandin on Casey, there uh, there is no... I guess, suitable stadium out that way. And for that bid to be successful, uh, like Geelong, I think they need to be anchored, um, you know, geographically anchored 
um, in their region. So, um, you know, South Melbourne, I mean, I was at the function the other week with uh, Roberto Carlos here and, um, you know, he obviously expressed interest in being their inaugural coach and, uh, look, hats off to them for, for showing some, some real ambition. They, uh, they do polarise opinion, but I rate the fact that they've been bold, um, even brash and ambitious. And, uh, you know, when you look at the history of that club, um, and a lot, you know, all the uh, the former NSL clubs, for that matter, it's uh, it's such a shame that it's been airbrushed. But, for, our, uh, for our listeners who tuned in last week and heard Bill Papasterjardis, um, they will be wondering what does the studio look like because a certain M Edgley went uh, particularly hard at it, uh, a gentleman called Bill Papasterjardis, and uh, and uh, we're pleased some of us here to hear you endorse so heartily um, with the Davidovic stamp of approval. Dave's the, uh, bought South the PR hype. Uh, no, he hasn't made. He's, I think he's on the money. To be perfectly frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there's probably about 15 bids slash expressions of interest at the moment nationally. And uh, I've been on the record as saying we need to not only expand, but add a second division. Yes. So yep. I think there's a place for all of these these teams at the moment. The question will end up being who belongs in the A-League, who belongs in the second division. Yeah, that's um, true. I don't understand why. Uh, obviously, there's going to have to be some form of, you know, criteria and minimum standards. But uh, in the second division, they obviously don't have to be as high or as onerous as they are in the A League. So, uh, you know, bring them, bring them on board. I say. Good on you, Dave. Hey, Dave, we might get you back on soon to discuss that, mate, in a, in a little bit more detail. But thanks for coming on for uh, your observations on the uh, the World Cup qualifier and, of course, the Argentina-Brazil match and Edge's question without notice, where he got an answer he wasn't quite expecting. No, no. That's, <laughs> that's enough. Come on, we've got to wrap it up. Rob. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Good on you, boys. He always wants the last word. Stick around. Dino's next. Edge can have the last word in stoppage time, but Dino's going to come back uh, after the break and we're going to talk through all the international news. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Dino is in with all the international news. But before we get going, Dino, this Men's Health Week gets coming up soon. The Coaches Association of another sport, the AFL and Chemist Warehouse, want you to quit smoking with the support of Nicorette. It's time to kick the habit with Nicorette and win the ultimate grand final getaway. Now, I know we're a football program, but we are, you know, sort of polycodal in this uh, in this studio, and, and we love to, to get to any of the big events. So if you want to enjoy a night at Moonalinks, head to the North Melbourne Grand Final Breakfast and watch the grand final in style at the MCG, get to chemistwarehouse.com.au slash ultimate getaway. It's all thanks to Chemist Warehouse and the AFL Coaches Association. Nicorette is a quit-smoking aid for when you need that extra help to give up. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. Um, any of us smoke in this studio uh, at any stage, Edge? No. I don't think oh, so. Well, I'm, I'm going to actually, I said no off air, but I want to say I did actually when I was about 10. I tried it about two or three times. And then no, I, I didn't know Nicorette was around and, in those days. And I thought, no, not doing this um, <laughs> and my mum was a smoker unfortunately that uh, was part of the reason why she's no longer with us so yes. from my point of view uh, I would recommend everyone get onto this Nicorette because uh, that's it need to get that's away if you smoke Dean that's if you smoke of course yeah, and of my, which I only did it a couple of times yeah, with and, my best mate John and God bless <laughs> Dean's lovely mum as well who uh, is watching down on us from high above now gentlemen um, 
What a champion. So I can't believe you two guys didn't predict um, what to me was obvious, that um, Real Madrid would just be too good for Juventus. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's the old-fashioned wind-up, Dino. The old, t- you know, bit of tongue-in-cheek there, well, Rich. I, I did uh, have an opportunity <laughs> to catch up with Rob yesterday, uh, which for us <laughs> midweek uh, during the show is not a normal case. And, uh, you know, I waited uh, patiently for like 30, 40 minutes into our meeting before I actually raised the fact that uh, he said you could take it to the bank, I think. That I was think his, it was take it to the bank, Take it to yes. the bank that the old lady would beat uh, Real Madrid. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, his prediction, um, <laughs> for reasons unbeknown to him, did not well, what oh, about Mandzukic? What a uh, you know what a, well, a, a yeah. worldie that I, was. You know that was a worldie. I think, yeah. I think the first half, super goal. I, I think the first half was one of the best first halves I've ever seen in in any football match. It was unbelievable. And they good. didn't really open it up till about the sixty yeah, minute. But the, the first yeah. half was. And everything. then remember there was the send off as well. Who was it? Harsh, Who was it? Was, was it Ramos? Harsh. Oh, it, well, harsh. It wasn't a send off. Did you see Rio's a, uh, comments? On, uh, put, put, no, he, I didn't. He said he would be embarrassed to look his son in the eye to do that. Yeah, he just dived and that was... It was, it was poor. And Corrado, literally, he came on off the bench. Come on, bench. <laughs> two, two yellow cards and, uh, and mate, you've, you've been put out there to win the game. And, and I think uh, the referee needs to... And, uh, and again, I know it's it's a fi- it's a final. It's just mm. showcase. Yeah. It's got to be something really drastic. Yeah, well, they should have used the video. The, vi- the video wasn't obviously being used just, because it's it's capable of being used. So know, the, the send off would have probably been, or at least a yellow card to Ramos. Just keep it? everybody on the park unless you have to. It's absolutely blatant, and yeah. then you have to you know take action. Totally agree. Yeah. But there was nothing yeah. in neither of them really. Question: Is Zinedine Zidane a better coach than he was a player? Um, He's well, a good player. Look, that's hard to say. Look. No, I mean, look, everyone's saying, oh, look, he's got some great players in front of him to coach, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily easier. Sometimes the, the better players you are, the harder it is to coach. Question for Dino, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who obviously, um, we, we know he's a super player, but the last 12 months he's had, mm. uh, in particular, you know, his contribution to Portugal winning Euro and then um, his goals in the Champions League, and to finish it off like he did, I mean, where does where does that place him in uh, in that group of all time greats? Uh, look, is he right up there? Hundred percent, he's up there. Um, but like, is he right up the top? Of, like, is he look, in he the is. top two or three? I, I go back to looking through uh, even just social media this week, and then getting onto and following a few things when they, were, they keep repeating his debut for Manchester United when he came on as a sub. I mean, what a debut that was! He was, and everyone's just going. What's what we got here? And you know, Sir Alex has been an unbelievable influence on him. And you know, the, he gets slaughtered on social media for lots of things. But you know, the amount of charity work he does as an individual off the pitch. Mm. But his football's gone for me to another level. I mean, to be able to play pretty well anywhere in midfield if he wanted to. Certainly out wide, where most of his career's been. Now he's just converting himself into a striker. Yeah, leading the line. Just just <laughs> scores goals for fun. He's just. He's just, I think, gone to another level. And sometimes, because his body's right and he looks mm-hmm. after his body, he's got, his, he's got everything that everybody wants. He's very proud he, of his body, isn't he? Well, he is very proud of it. <laughs> and, but, he, but again, he's, he's, he's a professional and, and he's looked after his body and that's why it gets him to every contest. And but I, I, I he's mean, we're taking the P15S out of him a little bit, but that, that's one of the things that he gets mocked for is his, uh, is his vanity. But uh, I guess that's the thing. Um, when you're on $240,000 a day, it's, it's pretty hard, isn't it? You know, yeah, $240,000 a day. And, and, gonna... and what's, what's the worst thing he's done? He's you know, had a few players sent off by overacting a little bit. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he, he's just had this incredible hunger and he just keeps on stepping up. And you're um, right, the Portugal, the Portugal achievement 
achievement was massive, and I think you know Real Madrid now with with the European Cup and mm. and the league, the double. Well, um, the point is, he's a big game player. And look, Zinedine Zinedine was a great great player, and he and, he, and he's becoming a really really great coach at the moment. So yeah. Okay. Well, what, what about the under twenties, Zinedine? Can we talk about the under twenties? Well, we can. 20s? We can. It's. Am it, I it's, putting you out of sequence? No, not at all. It? No, it's it's a little bit close to my heart. I have obviously a friend in uh, John Peacock who. Um, has been with the under-17s uh, for England for many, many a year, 13 years. I think he took them to three European championships. Um, and obviously I met him through working with Derby County. He's currently working as of just the end of the season with Manchester United with Nicky Butt. And um, he was invited uh, with Paul Simpson, who's the, the manager of the under-20s, to go to the under-20 World Cup. And they've been successful in beating Italy. 3-1 uh, yesterday and it's a massive result for English football because it's the first final England has got to in 51 Well, Dana, for so many years, years uh, they, they would not send a full-strength side to these junior tournaments because these uh, their younger players were signed on contracts with the bigger clubs. Uh, many of them were already playing at the top level. They didn't want to go and play at this level and, and that followed on through to their, their lack of performance at the higher level. Do you think this could be the turning point to, uh, you know, uh, in the future, some some better performances from England? Yeah, look, it, it's it's been a trait in the past, and I think they've got a, a mandate now where they want to be successful in in youth tournaments. Let's not forget though, Marcus Rashford's not there, hmm. and he's under twenty. Yeah. So, well, but that, that that's takes the point that, that I was making. So, yeah. like, you've still got good quality players not gone to this, but it may be, just maybe, it's it's a good sign for English football hmm. moving forward that they are producing footballers now that can go to these tournaments, hmm. just like what we did. Like, you know, if you look at our golden generation, we, yes. we were producing these boys, and then they yes. were going to have going, you know, certainly from being brought up in Australia compared to being brought up in Europe or South America, where mm. football is it, um, you know, th- that golden generation did unbelievably well because mm. they they played at major tournaments, learned how to deal with big events, and then it, 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 it held them in good stead for their careers. Yeah. Dino, do you know what I noticed about the, uh, the Poms was um, they've got through without. They've got through to the final without relying on penalties. So they've they've won. Yeah, but we don't want to go there. Though, do we? Well, I was, no, saying, no. I was saying off air though no, that, but <laughs> I was listening to some uh, some radio from the UK only yesterday, and uh, uh, look, I, I, it was one of the assistant coaches was was saying that they had a a, a plan which, if it worked out perfectly, which obviously there were elements to it which they couldn't control, was yeah. to to win the final going through extra time and a penalty shootout to get the young team prepared perfectly. So, uh, you know, while we say uh, the Poms aren't that um, uh, uh, amenable to the penalty shootout um, because of their tragic history, at some point it's got to turn, doesn't it? Well, you just know, just on that point, England are obviously playing uh, this weekend against Scotland mm. and Gareth Southgate has taken the England squad, the senior England mm. squad, mm. on a boot camp with the army. And it's based on apparently putting them into perspective of penalty shootouts, the mm. pressure they will okay. be under. Good. So they've gone with the, the elite groups of yep. the army in England yeah. and put them through their paces and trying to replicate as best they can mentally what it's going to be like in a penalty shootout. Sounds a bit shootout. like Jack Nicholson in uh, A Few Good Men. <laughs> it does. Pressure it is does. waking up and eating my breakfast <laughs> 100 metres away from uh, a Cuban rifle. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks for that, Rob. Um, just reflecting on the Asian uh, Confederations teams at the end of 20 World Cup no, didn't make it through to the quarterfinals and New Zealand uh, graced themselves with a 6-0 loss to the USA so again Asia underperforming confederation 
And just just to, to, to close that little chapter there, also England are playing Venezuela in the final, so good luck to both teams. And uh, and uh, slightly biased, obviously, I want England to try and get a result and uh, for someone to win something. So now going into the European uh, qualifiers, um, it's a big uh, it's a big week coming up this weekend. Um, oh, is it what? So which which group edge? What group would you want to really look at first? What's uh, what's appetising your uh, just your off. fancy? Yeah, yeah. Would you just pick the eyes out of the big games? Well, the, I've got, the most I've, got important I've got Marco ones. giving me large uh, to my left, and uh, absolutely useless. <laughs> and he's talking. Uh, he was just pointing out that Netherlands are fourth. Um, I'm Bulgaria. Yes, exactly. So you've got you're actually playing Luxembourg in sixth. So. Uh, <laughs> So all, all I can say to that is you must win, and it's a very, very important win if you can get it. Um, look, I think picking the bones out of the best games, um, I think if you look at Group B, uh, Switzerland are first, Portugal second, Hungary third, I think they're all playing games they can win. So I think it will just be pretty well status quo in, in Group B, and, and really it's Hungary's last hurrah. If they don't get a result... It's really going to be. I can't believe you haven't led the led the uh, the commentary with Group D, well, which has got I, your I did, mob in it. I, who are well, no, I did I did throw it to the audience, and no one wanted to buy. So I thought, well, I'll go. You know, Mark Mark bought Holland in. So go on then. What do you want to know well, about? Well, you've your Group mob, D? your mob, uh, Wales, uh, in third place on the table with seven points. They're four points behind second place Ireland, and uh, who do Wales play? Republic of Ireland. Yeah, they uh, they actually play uh, Serbia, which is massive. That's right. Who are top of the table with eleven? So, but how good speaking of much must win games. Yeah, but how good are both the Irish going? Uh, Northern Ireland uh, second in in Group C, to, and uh, to Germany and the Republic. Um, Behind Serbia in that group you mentioned, Group D, they've Look, both, both islands. That was go that. If you remember the last game, Republic, that's when mm. uh, Seamus Coleman broke his leg, yes. and it was um, it was pretty. Obviously, the the guy who actually broke his leg is out mm-hmm. and also I think from memory Gareth Bale got his yellow card and he won't be playing either so we go to we go there without Gareth Bale so it's going to be tough and up against it but it's a must win for Wales um, normal normal like in regards to other leagues you're looking at uh, the leaders like England playing Scotland so that's normally a big game uh, it's, it's at Hampden and um, from a Scotland point of view, they must win to stay in touch for that second place. If England win, they're pretty well qualified. Uh, Poland and Montenegro uh, and Denmark, that's going to be interesting in that group. Poland is on 13 points. So again, Montenegro and Denmark have got to stay in touch. And if one of them drops out, it could be like a two-horse race in And in for some e. of my good mates, you know, I've got plenty of good mates you that, have. Are, that are Greek. And uh, in Group H, Greece are in second spot on the table. 11 points, but Bosnia-Herzegovina are uh, well and truly just behind them on 10 points. Belgium's out in front with 13. So who do Greece play? Um, let's have a little look on Greece. I did have that because we were talking about that off air. Uh, can't even see it here on my on my notes, Greece. Yeah, Greece have got Estonia, Estonia. at the end of August, though. That's, uh, that, that's not in this. That's right. No, that's no, not in this, but they've got a game this week that everyone's playing. You've got me on the spot here, Reg. <clears throat> Can't find them, but they're on there, and I will come back to you. Greece, yeah, Greece are at Bosnia. They so are, this is so second v third. So this so is really, big really big. Yeah, so. That's a huge game for the... Uh, for the Greeks? Yes. Big game for the Spartans. And if they win that, that gets them right in touch with the leaders. So, I mean, it's 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 a big game. Uh, and also, if, if most probably just to finish... Um, yeah, go on, Nate. 
Oh, sorry. Well, if Greece qualified to make the World Cup, I think just to finish the other other one in Group I, which I'm really interested in, is Croatia versus Iceland in mm. Iceland and uh, top of the table, top of the table clash, and uh, that should be really big as well. So, uh, good luck to everybody on the weekend with all these results, and mm. uh, I think we'll be better placed knowing who's going to be qualifying for Russia after this weekend. All right, we'll go through it all in detail next weekend, Dino. Well done. Stick around after the break. Marco returns with the stoppage time. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is box to box, of course. This is stoppage time. The fourth official signals there are five minutes left. What a contrast in emotions um, that this show might have been if the result didn't end up the other way. But we're all happy and we're up and about. And Dino's stuck around for stoppage time. No one is impressed by one thing about that game, though. What was it, Mark? Uh, the crowd uh, last night, uh, just on 30,000 people at the game. I'm a bit vexed with this. I know that Adelaide's copped a bit of criticism for it. I know uh, Brennan Schwab, former head of the PFA, is uh, sort of coming out swinging on social media. We definitely want 40,000, 50,000 people at these games. But at the end of the day, too, um, actually, I wonder, I wonder also the fact that we are going to have 95,000 people at the MCG tonight, mm. if that impacted, because a lot of people maybe necess- didn't necessarily travel over mm. to Adelaide, which wouldn't uh, please the South Australian government as well, because uh, we've essentially got now uh, all these competing interests uh, mm. for that football dollar. Even the fact Arsenal's coming to town in a couple of weeks up in Sydney as well, playing a couple of games mm. against Sydney FC and Western Sydney. But, uh, Dino, I know you've got a view on this. Yeah, in regards to the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, we've, I know Brendan Schwab, obviously uh, one of our friends on the show, uh, he was very concerned about it. And I think, look, with the stadium as good as it is, uh, 50,000 is generally the, you know, for the big games in AFL and, and any other code, really, cricket as well, and day-nighters, you get 50. And, and this is a World Cup qualifier that everyone was most probably measuring uh, in the, in the sphere of what Uruguay was many many years ago, so it is disappointing, and I'm not really sure, you know, why they don't support it. You can't compare that playoff against Uruguay. No, I'm saying to... that's the only comparison they've had. Yeah, that's okay. the only one that's been used. One thing I'm uh, super critical of FFA about is ticket pricing. They they mm. continually get it wrong. And I've got to say, I don't know what the prices were last night, but I'm going to tip that they were expensive, and that would have played a factor as well. And uh, the reality is. FFA, they've been around in one form or another since 1922. Uh, <laughs> 1922, yes, I've got you, Rob. But uh, they still can't get their price elasticity right. First year economics, uh, first year uni economics, or even year 11 economics, they need a little lesson up there at uh, FFA headquarters. Now it's time, I believe, Rob, for a bit of a Crime Stopper segment. Is that right? There is, because um, <laughs> I had some uh, footage sent to me yesterday um, from the um, you know the, the upper echelons. I know, I was accused of High something. security people at Media House, um, and... And, um, you know, they were suggesting that, that you had been uh, um, using your security uh, access to the building for uh, um, parking purposes for evil instead of the day. Good. And, and, I, and I, I hit you up and I said, mate, what's going on? You were very on? polite about it too. You're like, oh, listen, listen, mate, you can't really do that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, but uh, no, I, and then Rob, I hit up Edge. You said, mate. And Nigel. And I still haven't uncovered the culprit. I did accuse this bloke. I said, if anyone's going to do that, it's going to be him. But yeah. uh, no. It was impossible to be me because I was with you. Correct. Yeah. Well, exactly. that's, that's what he said. I said, it's Edgley. He goes, no, but I was with Edgley. I said, well, wait, to be honest, I was in bed till about 10 in the morning and then I headed over to the Brunswick. The only bloke who I would have thought who, was who, who, not who, going. Who could it have been? Who could it have been? Looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We've um, w- this is a little crime stoppers moment. Um, we- we're uh, just winding up Dino and uh, having a bit of fun with him because you know we all have been the victims of uh, the barbs of box to box. But the innocent person, you know, the the goody two shoes of the show, that never does anything wrong, never criticises anybody. He's always the good bloke, always supporting things. So we're just having a bit of a wind up of him today. How are you, Dino? I'm good. <laughs> so what, what I've actually he's, done? He's still not fessing up, though, isn't? <laughs> Tell me what I've done. Oh, hang on. We, we might have to send the photograph out on social media of, uh, of uh, parking in the building um, yesterday. Uh, Where were you parked yesterday morning? Dave? I was parked in here. The confession. On, it, we didn't even have to pull the Bible out, did we? I got in trouble, mate, because apparently you've got my pass and I've got your pass. So Rob uh, calls me up and goes, mate, you've been accessing the building illegally. And I said, no, no I haven't. <laughs> Although I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know that happened. How did Rob react when you said no? Because I guarantee you... He didn't you, believe me. He, did, he wouldn't have believed you. No. <laughs> and I said, that's mate... The boy call, that's the boy calling the wolf. Oh, um, mate. No, no, I, I got very upset. I was very hurt. My feelings are very hurt, Rob. <laughs> He's taking the wind-up. I was very, very diplomatic very on that, as I always said, am. mate, I had to give you my licence. One F-I-H-G-Y. <laughs> That's not me, mate. Don't write that down. No, actually. <laughs> yeah. You better swap passes. Yeah, yeah, the funny thing is, too, for our listeners out there, we've been expressly told, like, we're, we're, we're of course, on NTS. We're not part of the the, 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 the big dogs of 3RW here. We're, gonna, we're wrapping up, are we? Yeah, I think we are. I think I think we've done enough on our internal uh, G-ups here. <laughs> Dino, it's all in good fun. You know, brother. I do. Uh, stick around. Next week on box to box there'll be a review of the World Cup qualifiers in Europe and around the world. Join us next week. We'll go through everything from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.